You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Hello and welcome back to another exciting week of Global Trade This Week. We've got your varsity team. We got the A team, folks. All right. None of this, none of this backbench stuff. Keenan's back where he belongs behind the controls. I mean, honestly, I think it might be that I'm just afraid he's going to take my spot. That might yeah. be what it is. It could be it. But, uh, Doug, it's great to have you back, buddy. Um, I know that you were uh, busy out on the West Coast, the best coast. Probably just what? You sun- Do you have a bit of a tan? It looks like you got a bit of a tan. No, I don't know. No, I think I'm good. It was, fre- you know, I was in Fresno and, um, you know, it's um, all the rain and everything. And, and everything that folks are seeing on the news is very real and it is happening. But in Fresno, it was a light to moderate rain, and it felt like the newscast thought the world was imploding. So I'm dry, I'm like, when's it coming? And it was just, you know, being from Texas in the Midwest, we know rain, my friend, and uh, yeah. it, it wasn't wasn't too crazy where I was. So that doesn't go anything against what's happening out there on the coast and things. It is real, yeah. but I chuckled a little bit whenever um, uh, a steady all day rain was catastrophic. I don't know about Kansas, man, but like in Texas, we would just complain endlessly that it didn't rain enough. And then you would get like those flash flood rains and it would hit that really hard, dry sort of clay Mm -hmm. Texas land. And there's no place for it to go. And you would just flash flood and you're like, why is it raining so much? And, And you would say to people, we were just complaining endlessly and praying for rain. And here it is. And, all we can do is complain now that it's raining. Can you people just stop complaining about the weather? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's what no. old people do. Get off my yard, talk about the weather in the good oh, old days. Doug, get off my lawn. Get <laughs> off my lawn. Don't touch my car. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of old timey, I do have on the Brent Musburger um, 1980s full on CBS Sports. Yes. Uh, headphone today. Because I am really dealing with it as far as my AV goes. So I am old school in it today, man. I feel like I should be either doing TV weather and traffic from the um, Global Trade This Week traffic copter, which would be kind of fun. Um, Or I could be doing play-by-play of the, um, you know, local Division Three college football game. It could be one or the other. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So this week we are doing something a little different. We're mixing it up a little bit. We have a pretty big uh, news story that came through, something that we had predicted would happen in our prediction show. Uh, we think is going to continue to be a problem for the coming year, which is it was a pretty major layoff. But and um, we wanted to devote the first half of the show to discuss it. So um, I don't know if yeah. you want to start off with it. Uh, you know, sure, I can. Uh, I can do that. So here's the gist, right? Of of everybody is uh, Flexport laying off 20% of its workforce. I think that press release came out a couple of days ago, um, but that, that, that's a big one. So here's, here's my take on this, right? So um, in the last couple of weeks, the stuff in the, uh, the, the newsworthy is the tech bust in Twitter and Meta and all these social media things that we interact with. But we've talked about it for a while that the, the technology has infiltrated educational tech medical tech, and we've spoken about lodge tech, um, lodge, um, logistical tech. 
And um, when you have tech in it, um, and there is a tech uh, bust, if you will, that is going to be part of the um, of the downturn. So uh, Flexport is one of dubbed one of those digital freight forwarders, right? So there is a tech overlay on it, and so um, the tech bus is just permeating to to different levels. So I think we're going to see something similar in in educational tech, ed tech, med tech to some degree. Although med tech's a little bit more mature um, than some of the other uh, tech overlays that, that we've had. But you know, here here's the the thing with this, Pete, is that. Uh, I don't know a lot about Flexport. I know they've made a lot of waves. Um, I, I know they're out there and that the um, the overlay and the concept of the digital freight forwarder, that it, it sounds great, right? Let's um, put bells and whistles and APIs and interfaces where humans don't have to get involved. But you know what? This industry, and you've said it before on some of your postings and even talked about on TradeGeek, is uh, forwarding and transportation is still pretty much old school. Um, and that, you know, there's a driver out there that may be working on the drayage from port to warehouse. Well, a lot of those guys are turning a wrench on a Sunday so they can start their truck up and work uh, on a Monday or Tuesday. Or there could be some phenomenal technology that somebody could access through a digital freight forwarder. Um, where uh, Sally Smith or, or John Davis knows they can access it, but they like the report that they get um, from their freight forwarder because it helps them understand what's going on. They can a answer and ask questions. And you know what? They get to understand what that uh, Sally Smith did over the weekend. My point being is that the, the tech overlay can only work so much, and our industry is still decentralized tremendously, right? You got the integrators, um, the vertical integrator that, that own and manage their assets and things that this works well. I fully admit it. And the whole digital freight forwarding concept is real. I just don't think it's as mature. And there's still guys behind there cranking the wheel and trying to get shit moving. And um, five, five phones against their ears trying to put out fire and damages and everything else. So behind the scenes, there's, there's still a lot of non-tech in our industry. Um, but if you're a vertically integrated company that owns assets, the connectivity is real and it will come. Uh, it's starting to come. But this is just an example of it may not be as far along as we think. And the concept of digital freight forwarder, I think, is a good buzzword. But um, kind of like um, blockchain or crypto, people are like still unsure about how is a digital freight forwarder really different than a traditional freight forwarder, other than I can't talk to Sally Smith about her weekend when she's sending me her daily transaction report. So it doesn't surprise me, Pete, I guess the bottom line is it doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me, surprise me about uh, a workforce layoff at Flexport. Yeah, you, you, you gave me a lot to unpack there, Doug. So um, I've, I've never been at a loss to talk about Flexport. And um, I've got to temper a lot of my remarks by just saying, Right off the bat, I've I've a lot of good friends that still work there, and um, I was I was very sad to hear of a lot of friends of mine that don't work there now. So this is a it's, for such a big industry that is so important. It's really weird that it's such a small industry. Like we we all have friends of ours that work everywhere. You would have a difficult time going on LinkedIn and dialing up a major freight forwarder. You know anything, let's say bigger than a hundred million, 
and either you or I not knowing somebody who works there. It would be difficult because we've been in the industry long enough. So there's this, um, I, you know, I took German in high school. Uh, I'm, I'm relatively conversant in it still, you know. And one of the things I love about German is these big words, these long, big words. And of course, you know what I'm about to say. There's this great big German word called schadenfreude. And the Germans have this fabulous word for taking pleasure in the pain and uncomfort of other people, you know, and you, you, you just saw it happen on LinkedIn. As soon as it happened, it was like, yeah, all right. You know, it's, it's like, it's like there were teams playing and, you know, team old fart freight forwarder scored a touchdown off of a fumble or something because of the economic, um, you know, dissatisfaction or problems of team digital freight forwarder. And I think that was a really shitty way to act, man. Like, um, I don't, I don't ever want to feel good that my ideas were proven right because somebody else had to go home and tell their family that they don't have a job anymore. Cause I had to do that a few months ago and it sucked. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, beyond all of that, it was just seeing people I have respect for, you know, going online and being, yeah, that's right. Take that flex port, you know, and, and it, it was amazing to watch. But then in 24 hours, you started to see people in the press, people in the finance rags start to come out and say, what are we really seeing here? Are we seeing a lot of people in operations and sales, but them saying they're going to double down on engineering. So is this them putting more money in the technology and the platform and saying this is where the money is going to be in that lodge attack, as you said, Doug, and not so much in freight forwarding, which we don't know if we have a key differentiator where we do have a key differentiator in technology. Mm -hmm. um, are, are we seeing them just admit that where the money's going to be made is really going to be in selling and leveraging technology, getting people to buy their, their ones and zeros. I, I think that had a big piece to do with it. And then also what you kept hearing about was these new hires from Amazon some of whom I know, um, people that came from Amazon to this company who are going to change the way that it's run. Is it because they're going to do an IPO? I don't know. Is it because there's a lot I don't know. Is it because of, of investor um, focus and investor pressures? I don't know. But when you hire people that come from a very large digital platform and that's all that they know, and just take a look, take a look at the resumes of these people, Doug. It's all they know. They're going to start to run it like it's all they know. And when they were working with people who did not come from traditional forwarding backgrounds and you meld them with people who all they know is digital and IT, where are the voices of the people who've been moving freight? Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's enough of them screaming into the void right now. Um, I love talking to people and saying, so tell me what digital freight forwarder is. And they say, well, it's a transportation company that's using a, you know, it's using a digital platform to move data back and forth. Cool. How is that different than insert freight forwarder <laughs> custom sales broker here? Yeah. How? How? You know? Well, and they have a hard time doing it. Now, if you begin to peel the layers of the onion back, there are significant technological differences, but I don't know how the customer's interaction with it is easily defined and then easily related and translated out of that person's interaction. So mm -hmm. I think that's where we're beginning to lose it, but that may change. And that's really where all this money is being dumped into these platforms is the hope that somewhere down the line, this investment will pay off in that huge differentiation. 
and maybe I'm going to eat my words. It wouldn't be the first time, Doug, right? Where mm -hmm. uh, a digital platform, you know, or anything, you know, some big financial windfall ended up making me eat my words. Yeah. We'll see. Um, <clears throat> I think these massive companies that are pouring a bunch of money on their technology would have something to say to these platforms because more of them are failing than making it. Yeah. No, I, we're, we're, we're speaking the same language. The whole concept of what is the difference between a digital freight forward? Yes, there's some, there are some very clear differentiators, but our, our industry is so segmented. I go back to the, the, there's still guys and gals out there that are hand to mouth in providing exceptional services to freight forwarders. Um, that have zero interest in technology interface that could give two you-know-whats about it, and they just want to keep their truck moving and their tires, you know, the wheels ain't turning, you ain't earning, and they got to put food on the table. And so there's still a lot more of that than I think the general public understands. Therefore, it's going to take longer, other than the integrated, integrated companies, to really embrace what a right. digital freight forwarder can bring to the table. The, you know, I'll punctuate my part of the conversation with this. I had two conversations with um, consumers of a digital platform last week, a digital freight forwarder. Mm -hmm. And the first one was, God, I hate using them so much. And I said, well, then, hey, you know, who's your buddy? Who's your pal? Who needs some freight? And they said, oh, I just, I love their systems so much. And I said, so you're saying that their systems like the PO management and the tech is so good that you're willing to deal with the haphazard mediocrity of how they manage you from a customer service standpoint. They're like, well, at this point, you know, I can't, I, I really need it to run my supply chain. So when things get better, then, you know, we can talk. I'm like, well, you and I both know that once you're in it with their systems, it's just not going to get better. Mm -hmm. yeah. and maybe that's the play, you know? And then the other conversation I had was, with a company using a platform, it was a lot different where they said, I don't feel like I'm using a freight forwarder because I do not have a legitimate connection with someone. And that's ultimately how they're going to lose me. Mm -hmm. So things are fine. Everything's going fine, but my business is growing so much that I need someone to help and guide me. That's been there before. And I'm not getting that right now. Yeah. And I'm wondering how they overcome that without losing their edge. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's bump this thing to uh, uh, our favorite time of the show. Well, Your favorite. It, it, it Your is, favorite. It is, it is my favorite. You know what? This show is about global trade and logistics. So uh, maybe that should be my favorite part because that's what I'm talking about. And that's what we don't get paid to talk about. Um, but the halftime always brings the best <laughs> of us out. So um, I liked yours. So uh, I say we start okay. with yours and end with mine. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm a guy who doesn't have what I would call a complicated hairstyle, Doug. Mm -hmm. um, I'm follically challenged. So getting a haircut's pretty straightforward. I could do it myself if I had eyes in the back of my head or I could use a mirror pretty well. So um, I went to my usual barber and um, the line was atrocious. So I went to my backup barber who I had not been to since the pandemic. And lo and behold, they've been bought. Yeah. And I, I walked in, Doug, to a, a room where there were three chairs, three dudes who had tattoos on their hands and their necks. Um, they were all wearing like flannel shirts with the button up to here. It looked a lot like Keenan. Can I 
You know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. They they had the skinny jeans on and hiking boots that had never seen a trail ever, unlike humans <laughs> very much have. Um, they they smelled of like, you know, of, of pears and rose petals, lots of product. Um, and the guy that cut my hair, he had like a one of his tattoos on his hands, of which there were many, was a like a straight razor right where his, you know, right where his th- I mean, these guys were like barber baby like it was all it's, it's like if i had um you know a tattoo of adam smith on one hand and Keynes on the other like economist for life you know what i mean like they were it was as though they they had just bought into this idea that that it was a what's the word like like it was a i don't know like a pop culture kind of when did the barbershop not be a place where I would go when I was 15 and there was a Playboy somewhere in that pack of magazines and like dude smelled like stale cigarettes and, and mid-marriage depression. And there was like one television that was on. And if there was a hockey game, it was going to be on. And, uh, you know, everybody knew everybody's crap, but Doug, like, is this just one of the signs of what's gone wrong with the adult male? There wasn't a single guy in that barbershop that could change your own oil or change their own tire. Nobody knew how to gut a fish. I guarantee you it was just it was it was just like the saddest place. Now, guy did a great job on my haircut. Mm. Like he did a great job, did a great job on my beard trim. Um so as far as the actual professional work went, fabulous. But as far as the whole ambiance of being at the barbershop, I felt like I was at a club for hipster losers, you know? Mm. It just wasn't for me, man. Yeah. Well, I can see that point. You and I, um, your your haircut probably takes 45 seconds. Mine takes maybe a minute and a half. Um, But but I get it. I remember going old school, all the things that you just described. The one barber I went to, he had these things where he put them on his hand. They were like, they would, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, and they it would yeah. give you a back rub and stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, those don't, they, they are, they exist. And I want our audience to throw out some names to give some of these places some street cred, but they exist out there. They're just not, they are in the minority um, by far and away. So. It, it's frustrating, agree. man. Like that was, you know, the barbershop, there was a place in New York when I worked in New York, I used to get my shoe shined at, uh, I'd go get my shoe shined. And it was just, there were, there were a few places that were no nonsense. I went in there, I got it done. And now I feel like if I'm not dressed appropriately, I don't fit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Doug, what you got for us? All right. This one, I've been, I've been uh, waiting to talk about this one uh, for a couple of weeks now. And this is, um, there's a company out there called open AI and they just came out <clears throat> with a, a, a service called chat G P T, which stands for generative pre-trained transformer, which sounds like, uh, exactly that a, a transformer, but it's a chat bot. Basically it was just launched in November of 22. So just a couple, two months ago, and it builds on the open AI, which is a company their platform of like language modules and fine tuning and reinforcement. Basically um, it's a chatbot that learns uh, and can kick out some pretty amazing things. 
The one thing that's sweeping that people may have heard about is it's the new way to forge uh, essays in college. Um, I got two kids in college. Both of them are keenly aware of this, and it's only been around for two months. Uh, I have no idea if they're going to use it or not. I have zero plans to ask any questions. I'm all about D for diploma. Just get them out uh, into the real world and they can figure it out. But it, it, it's absolutely amazing. You know, Google search and the whole concept of search really made it so you and I are not, when you and I had to memorize the periodic table of elements, and that was like weeks or months of school, they don't even teach that anymore because you can just Google it, right? So th this is a slippery slope to, you don't even need to know how to write. You just need to ask a robot some questions. And one thing I'm going to do, Pete, just to have our audience do it, I have it pulled up. You have to have an account and I have it pulled up right this second. And I have something I could type in, or you could give me something to type in, and we're going to read it to the group here real quick. What do you got? You go ahead and type it in, Doug. All right. So you uh, give me some thoughts on this, because it's going to take me a second, and then I'll tell you what I write. So you give me your comments on this. Now, give me give a comments on the whole uh, chat box thing. It's going to take me like a minute to write this. Oh, what I think about it? So um, yeah. I have friends of mine that have used it to write the – um, reviews of their employees because it's an onerous process. So they've like used this to write these big, long, you know, difficult HR laden, which I think is fantastic um, because, you know, most of that stuff is really not useful or reviewed by the employee anyway. Um, I think that any sort of inward process where a bunch of data and writing where someone's going to use it that's just about how much they value what they're getting out of it. So if you're using your home, if you're doing it for your homework, that's how much the person values the lesson and the learning. That's about mm -hmm. how important that learning is for them. Let them use it. Honestly, I don't have an issue with it. Yeah. yeah. All right. What'd you get, right. Doug? So I, I, here's what I said. This is pretty mundane. So people should practice and do, this is not that crazy and fun, but I said a press release on a podcast for global trade and transportation with two hosts that have conversations. And let me see here. Uh, and I just hit enter. And three, two, one, it's writing right now. Introducing Global Trade and Transportation Insights, a new podcast featuring expert insights on the latest trends and developments in global trade and transportation, hosted by Doug Draper and Pete Mento. The podcast will deliver in widget range of topics, including logistics, supply chains, international trade regulation. Listeners can expect in-depth conversations with industry leaders, blah, blah, blah. The podcast is available for streaming on all platforms and new episodes will be released weekly. Tune in, stay informed on the latest developments of global trade. That was just written in a matter of one second from typing that in. That's madness. That's madness. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's it's my you know, my daughter wants to go to college to be a writer. Why bother, kid? Yeah. Why bother? Yeah, you, know, you can you can just yeah. honestly just let the computer do it for you. Yeah. What the hell? Man? It's crazy. So anyway, I know that uh, our friends over at Cap Logistics, Keenan, said that they have used OpenAI in the past, not for this specific purpose, but I bring it up because Pete Cap Logistics produces a show gets it out to the masses and we always want to say thank you for giving us the platform and the soapbox to, to get up and uh and spew our our comments on things so cap logistics thank you keenan namaste my brother yes keenan keenan right. thank you so much 
right. Number two, Pete, what do you got? Uh, number two, hey, it's time again for the World Economic Forum. hey oh, huh? Who can't be excited for that? Uh, it's yet again another exciting week out in Davos where the World Economic Elite get together and pretend to care. Uh, I know that you're all excited. I know you all woke up early, threw the TV on to watch what is akin to a bunch of supervillains talk about how we're going to end up dealing with the world's problems. This is the annual... Um, list of promises we're going to make and then immediately break session. That seems to happen. I absolutely love the World Economic Forum because as someone who has studied economics now for 25 years, ceaselessly, there's very few things that I can point to that are consistent, but here's one of them. The World Economic Forum is garbage. It is nothing but garbage. So here's here's a look into some of the things they're going to focus on this year. The electrifying of everything, Doug. Super important. We electrify everything. And do you know why? Because in 10 years, atomic fusion is going to be available. And we're not going to have to worry about fossil fuels anymore. So we need to get things away from anything that is combustible engines and straight to electricity. Because in 10 years, we're going to have fusion. No, we're not. Second of all, whatever we can do to bring inclusion into economic concepts, the better. Even in places where there is not an issue of inclusion. How, how could that be, you say? There are parts of the world where there is literally one ethnic group. There is no minority. You'd be brought there as well. I'll give you some more. We have to consider how interplanetary Earth interactions are going to actually impact Earth's financial economic future. I couldn't make this up if I tried. There's something called Radio Davos. If you're having a down day... If it's been a rough day for you, Doug, sit back, pour yourself a drink, give it a listen. I think you're going to love it. This is probably, for someone like me, um, the easiest way to make absolutely certain that you're sure you've made a huge mistake with your entire career by listening to uh, Radio Davos and paying attention to the World Economic Forum. Uh, you'll have, what was the line they used a couple of years ago, the, the head of the forum? You'll have nothing and be happy. Yeah, just... I'm telling you, man, just listen to it, read it, learn to love it. Uh, if nothing else, it's going to give you tons and tons of material for next week. Yeah. Well, the title uh, of the, or the theme is um, Cooperation in a Fragmented World. Fragmented. Oh, it's fantastic. What do you think they paid a consultant to write that? I'm going to go with five and a half million dollars and they paid it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, couple other things that I uh, realized invitation only right there's actually a board of directors so to speak that can invite you know thought leaders cultural leaders uh and and the like and uh, I think there is a red carpet um I kind of made that up Pete um but it wouldn't surprise me if there's some sort of dinner where everybody walks in and people are taking photos or asking their opinion on something it's just uh, I, I'm sure the intent was valuable decades ago. Probably not. But... No, probably not. <laughs> Doug, there, there are, there are. I think, I think this year there are twenty-five pre-read documents for all attendees that you're expected to read, and I think altogether you're looking at like three thousand pages of text. Do you think any of them read it? Do you think any of them read the prep doc that they paid someone a hundred thousand dollars to put together? That's only like five pages of bullet points. No, mm -hmm. they're just going to show up and drink champagne and go. <laughs> And then talk about how they're going to use this to forge their own economic opportunities. 
this is nothing but a meeting of very rich people to get even richer. And then mm. pretending to, I, I, I'm telling you, Doug, someday I'm going to wear a Dr. Evil outfit and interview people out of the front gates. Yeah. Well, your passion, you can, you can see it and I can, he, you can hear it and I can see it with your screen shaking a little bit when you were getting in there and getting oh. into the thick of it. <laughs> I, God, I, get I, angry I have no more comments on that because yours is perfect. I get so angry on this one. All right, man, bring us home. All right. This one's a little bit, uh, a little bit. Uh, calmer, but um, the, the the catchphrase is air cargo. We've been talking about air cargo uh, in the last couple of weeks. Is it going to be landing at a regional airport near UP? Basically, what I've seen is uh, recent interest in expanding regional, so secondary and tertiary airports to accommodate uh, increased volumes of, of air freight. So let's bypass the congestion centers of all the gateways um, LA, Chicago, Atlanta, Dallas, New York, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, let's move all that air freight into smaller markets where there won't be any congestion, much like happened with the ocean freight uh, going around to the East coast, the savannas of the world and, uh, bypassing LA. So sounds good. It may play well in the boardroom and I don't have anything against any company that's pursuing it. I just don't think there's any legs there. Huge. But here's a couple of bullet points. One, Huge infrastructure build, right? A secondary airport does not have the infrastructure, whether it's receiving freight or transitioning freight as a connector to other companies to take it on its final mile journey. And when you build out this infrastructure, the RFPs, the compliance, the planning, the yada, 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 that's going to have to come into it. It's like whenever you want to renovate your 1910 home, the second you change out a light switch, the whole electrical system has to be redone. So the expense of this is going to be astronomical and the time involved to make it any level of, of benefit. Um, capacity, uh, again, that goes to uh, uh, the infrastructure build. I use an example, Pete, of Denver and Colorado Springs, right? Colorado Springs, you can walk to that airport in about seven minutes from the time that you're dropped off till you're on your plane, which is phenomenal, right? But the concept of saying, hey, let's divert an aircraft to Colorado Springs because of weather and you land, hey, you may get down there safely, but there's no connecting flights. You got to get people back up to Denver. There's no equipment. The plane may be too big. It doesn't have this. It doesn't have that. So you're wasting time, which is just the opposite of air freight, to support an infrastructure that's not built out. Um, equipment allocation. There's only so many airplanes you have and so many trucks that you can um, redirect. So um, I, I don't think it's really sustainable. And the air freight market, in my opinion, Pete, more so than, than, uh, than ocean freight or, or uh, uh, domestic trucking or North America trucking, is very dependent on the economy. It can pivot and move real quickly. During the pandemic, when we were talking about um, the, uh, the roaring 20s, air freight had one hell of a blip. But that's all it was, was a blip. And now we're seeing overcapacity being built out in the air freight market. So I, I just don't understand how that's, it, it's not going to work. Um, it may be a good play in the boardroom. It may be a good um, uh, land grab or something to go out there and, and talk about how to make money in somebody's backyard and the jobs that will bring to the table. But the practicality of how the air freight world is set up and the limitations of the infrastructure and the requirements to have a secondary airport handle the type of throughput that uh, that this is supposed to uh, lever 
it's not going to happen. And I think we need to focus more on how do we decongest the gateways, then redirect airplanes to smaller markets that just need a tremendous amount of infrastructure build out. Let me give you one more thing to consider because you stole my thunder, buddy. Uh, uh, I was going to say infrastructure. Exports. The entire uh, point of this is no different than a truck. You bring the truck someplace, you unload everything, and then you hope there's something to load into the truck to bring it back someplace. So are we going to move all of this cargo to some regional hub, take it out of the plane, and then what are we going to do with the plane, Doug? Are we going to fly it someplace empty with nothing in it? Because mm-hmm. that would be economically a foolish idea. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that's where I've got my biggest problem with all of this is it sounds great if there's going to be some sort of giant pile of freight in Colorado Springs, in Manchester, New Hampshire, in wherever. But odds are there won't be, pal. Yeah. Yeah. Good point on the exports. I, yeah. I had not thought of that when I was jotting stuff down. So, well, Pete, I'm glad to be back in the saddle hey, uh, with you and Good the show. team. And uh, I can't thank our audience enough. Can't thank Cap Logistics enough for putting this whole thing on. And um, I guess that's a wrap. So we will see all of you again next week. We'll have another edition of Global Trade this week. Take care. See you next week, buddy. Thanks, Doug. All right. Thanks, Pete.